welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and welcome to the New Jesus. All right, this is the board from the last session, and I believe today is going to be very, very brief because I've only got really one big point to make. So this is the board from last time, and what we're talking about, this is sort of a continuation of what we've been talking about uh, from Scripture about sin versus grace, and the title we've had is kind of, It Doesn't Matter. A lot of the things you're concerned about in your life, there's a good chance that if God is really who He says He is, and his, if, if His promises in Scripture are correct, then I would say over 90% for most of us of the stuff we're worried and concerned about and focused on during our day doesn't matter. Well, that's important, right? I mean, because then if you keep living that way, I mean, that may be okay for a day or two, but if you get to the end of your life and realize that what you had focused on and worked on in your life did, was not really what mattered most, was not what you should have been prioritizing, but now you're out of time. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, that's one of the worst situations I've ever been involved with in counseling. Uh, a lot of those older people, and they usually do realize that at the end of their life, are just crushed with regret that they can't go back. They don't have time, but they missed it. And if they could go back, they would prioritize what is most important, which is virtually always people and family and spirituality. There's rarely an exception to that. Okay, so the Old Testament is supposedly the Old Law, the New Testament, the New Covenant. The Old Testament is largely about behavior. You do this and here's the punishment. You do this and there's a reward. All right? It's a reward-punishment law system just like the system of government in the world. You know, you go this fast and you're right. You go this fast and you're wrong. And if you get caught, you get a ticket and have to pay money. Or with other things, if you're wrong, it's a crime, you get put in jail, you know, stuff like that. 
okay? So what's the truth about this grace-sin thing? And, and it, people in church, it, it almost seems like, you know, uh, a sporting event with, with uh, the fans of one on one side and the fans of the others on the other side. But in this case, it's kind of grace versus law. Okay, you, you have to do it right with your behavior versus it's all about the sacrifice of Jesus and the grace of God and the intention of your heart. Okay, so those seem to be in conflict, but I don't believe they are. All right, I believe they're in perfect harmony, uh, which would make sense with a perfect God who's all-powerful. Okay, so let this, I'm not going to go into the details, but, so what about sin? I, I mean, so, if grace is really the truth, what about sin? Because we talk about sin always matters, all right? But what about it? And, and, and here are the passages, the scariest ones, from mainly the New Testament, about sin. And they are scary, okay? God hates these things. These people will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But where you got to be careful is God never says he hates the people. He hates their behavior and what they do. And, and here, he talks about these things too. These people will not be saved. The sexually immoral, uh, the uh, impure, debauchery, idolatry, selfish ambition, and then the one that's just sort of the catch-all that could be thousands of other things and the like. But, he doesn't say that anyone who does any of these things is going to be lost and go to hell. He says those who practice these things, which is really the same word as practicing for a sport. Well, what's your intent? If you're practicing for a sport, okay? I went to college on a tennis scholarship. I practiced every single day. Well, is that to get better at it or get worse at it? It's to get better at it. So really what God is saying is the people who are guilty in this way and will not be saved are the people who are working at getting better at sin. Their intention is not to stop sinning and then they just mess up. Their intention is to not only sin, but do it better and better and better and never quit doing it. Okay? That's a big difference from someone who just messes up and falls, and, and then they, oh man, that's not what I meant to do. I'm so sorry, Father, please forgive me. Those are two night and day different scenarios. And it appears Scripture is talking about the person who practices it, practices it, okay? Um, and, and even here, on the ones God hates, it's not really talking about the people, it's talking about what they do or don't do. Okay, um, so yeah, he hates their behavior, but he doesn't hate him them, and uh, and, and then down here, uh, the, these wicked evil doers will not be saved. But a Christian is never called an evil doer in the New Testament, as as far as I can find. All right, what are we called? We're called saints. We're called innocent. We're called righteous and holy. Okay, and. So, and this is just a continuation of that. Uh, these people are not going to go to heaven. They're in big trouble. God doesn't like that. God hates this. God hates, you know, whatever. But here's the key to me. And it's Matthew 25, 46. Those who, do the, these, those who practice these things 
will go to eternal punishment. But those, but the righteous to eternal life. That's Matthew 25, 46. And I believe it all sort of boils down to that one thing. Why? Why? Because when we become a Christian and a follower of Jesus and accept him as our Lord and Savior, scripturally we are given the righteousness of Christ. We don't earn it, we're given it. But from then on, we have it. Well, all these passages are about the righteous, all the wonderful things, okay? Uh, if you love, you've fulfilled the whole law. Well, who loves? The righteous. Um, Matthew 25, the entrance exam to heaven is not these behaviors. It's did you love people and serve people, okay? That's the entrance exam, and it's the righteous. Those are the righteous people who love and serve people, not the ones with the behavior, because none of us can get the behavior just right. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we have, you know, all this stuff. So anyway, I just wanted to touch on this a minute. We're going to come back to it in just a second. But this is really the choice. So my question is, which are you believing and doing? Okay? And if you're living for these passages, I believe you have by choice started living back under the old law again. And you're missing out on the life of love, joy, peace, and pain. Yeah, it always has pain. But love, joy, and peace with the pain as opposed to anxiety, fear, uh, stress with the pain. All right, big difference in those two. All right, so let me pull this out of the way for a second and take a look at what the Scripture has to say about who you are if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a believer, if you are born again, if you are right with Jesus, if you can honestly say from your heart, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, okay? Uh, I believe in God. I believe in His Son, Jesus. I've accepted Him as Lord and Savior. If you can say that, here's what Scripture says about you. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Forgot I added this slide. All right, this is basically the whole field of psychology and counseling and therapy. This is it, all right? These 12 things. These were um, first worked out by Dr. Albert Ellis and Dr. David Burns. Um, psychologist, uh, David Burns, I believe, is a psychiatrist. Uh, I believe, um, um, so here is their counseling, therapy, life coaching, whatever. These are the issues. There's basically 12 issues. And there's a million issues, but they would all fall under one or more of these. I have never had a single client who did not have at least one of these, and when we fixed it, made a big difference in their life, okay? Basically, this is the entire field of psychology, counseling, therapy. Now, it would not be the whole field of life coaching or life skills training. Those are two different things, okay? But counseling therapy, you know, things that where you have anxiety and depression and bipolar and, 
you know, all that stuff. This is it, okay? So what are they? All or nothing thinking. Overgeneralization. Just because this happened doesn't mean that's going to happen. A mental filter that everything goes through that comes to the wrong conclusion about your circumstances versus the right conclusion. The fear-based conclusion. Uh, disqualifying the positive. No matter how many good things happen, it's still bad. Okay, the ultimate pessimist. And recent research says the average person leans 80% to the negative all the time. Okay, unbelievable. Uh, jumping to conclusions. I, I'm not going to explain a lot of these because a lot of them are self-explanatory. Jumping to conclusions. Uh, magnification or minimization. Instead of just looking at it as... A neutral issue, maybe. On a zero to ten, maybe it's a four, maybe it's a five. But this one is, oh no, it's a nine, it's a ten, the sky's falling. Or, or, oh, I'm just going to ignore that. I'm just going to sweep it under the rug. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to deal with it. Well, either one of those will get you in trouble. Emotional reasoning. Should statements. Labeling and mislabeling. Oh, I hate labeling. I used to be the worst labeler in the world. He's got long hair. He's a bad person. He's got an earring. He's a bad person. She's dressing immodestly. She's a bad person. Now, uh, to defend me a little bit, I grew up that way. But, oh my goodness, how did I ever think that was good or okay? It's just ridiculous, okay? Uh, personalization. Taking it personally when it's not personal. Demanding, awfulizing. That's one of my favorites where everything is just awful. And, and, and if it's not, I'm going to make it awful because I need it to be awful because I'm just, you know. Uh, low frustration tolerance. And last one, people rating, which may be the biggest one. Constant judging of everyone and everybody, including yourself. And sometimes we're hardest on ourselves. Okay? So. Basically, any psychological stress versus peace, love, joy, peace versus anxiety, fear, anger, impatience, any of those issues, they're here, all of them, okay? And in a minute, I'm going to show you what Scripture has to say about each one of these, okay? All right, now, let's look at what Scripture says is the truth about you if you are a Christian, if you are right with God, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And I'm not going to read uh, every scripture reference. They're here, and I will post this uh, up, uh, with this recording so you can have the list and go through it in detail and look up the scriptures for yourself if you like. Okay, I'm God's child. I'm God's friend. I've been justified. I am united with the Lord, and I'm one spirit with Him. I've been bought with a price, and I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint, a holy one. I've been adopted as God's child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I've been forgiven of all my sins. Wow. Um, let's see. I'm complete in Christ. There's no puzzle piece missing. Uh, I'm free from condemnation. There's no condemnation for you or for me. All right? No. Does that mean, oh, but, but what if I do this bad thing? No condemnation. What if I do these 10 terrible things? No condemnation. 
Doesn't say condemnation unless, no, that's not there. It's no condemnation. I'm assured that all things will work together for my good. If we just believe that one thing, really believed it, wouldn't that turn your faith absolutely through the roof? If you just really believed that one thing, that God was going to make everything work together for your good so you didn't have to worry or fret about it, well, it's true. I'm free from all condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have it all the time, everywhere. I've been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I'm confident that the good work God has begun in me will be perfected. He will complete the work He has started in me and in you. I am a citizen of heaven. Not then, after Judgment Day. Now, today, I'm a citizen. You are too. I'm hidden with Christ in God. I've not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind and self-control. I can find great I can find grace and mercy to help in my time of need. I'm born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I'm the salt of the earth, the light of the world. I'm a branch of the true vine, Jesus, a channel of his love. I've been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. I'm a personal spirit-empowered witness of Christ. I'm a minister of reconciliation for God. I'm the temple of God. I'm a fellow worker with God. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We are one, the mystery of the ages. I'm God's workmanship created for good. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. And the last one, Philippians 4, I and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And for him who believes, nothing is impossible, and nothing is impossible to God. Okay? All right. Now, let's take a look at those um, uh, irrational beliefs and cognitive distortions. Those 12 things that are really everything in the field of counseling, therapy, and I believe are critical to spirituality. Uh, blasphemous thoughts. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Condemning thoughts. You ever have those? Therefore, there's now no condemnation. Confusing thoughts. Satan is the father of confusion. For God is not a God, a God of confusion, but of peace. Fearful thoughts. One of the biggest ones for everyone. For God has not given the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Uh, you have not received the spirit of slavery, but you've received the spirit of adoption as a son or daughter of God. Think of the prodigal son. Prideful thoughts. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility regard others more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but the interest of others. Lying thoughts. Tempting you to lie. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. And by the way, those cognitive distortions, one of the differences in the 12 that determines which one you have is where you're believing the falsehood and fear. And that will determine which of those 12 you have. And these are the scriptural uh, confrontations for those 12 that 
No, those are not the way you're supposed to be experiencing life. This is, okay? Um, you're of your father, uh, the, the lying thoughts. You're of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, etc. Obsessive thoughts. You ever have those? They just keep bugging you. You can't get rid of them. Now, you can have OCD, and more and more people have that. That's where you... Uh, check the doorknob, wash your hands over and over, but it can be other stuff too. But you can have obsessive thoughts without the counting or washing or whatever. Uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, present your requests known to God. And number seven, why? What's the solution to obsessive thoughts? The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Will, not maybe. Negative thoughts. You ever have that? Uh, I just quoted that uh, the latest research says our thoughts lean 80% to the negative. And we know that God causes all things to work together to good for those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. No reason for negative thoughts. Okay? He's taking care of everything we need. Jealous thoughts. Uh, jealous and, je jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart. Do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Okay? Thoughts of guilt and shame. This has been uh, probably the biggest one of my life. Okay. Galatians 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. No longer under the law. Okay? The old law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which easily entangles, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. So, through the sacrifice and, and current life of Jesus Christ, we have no guilt and shame. I'm innocent, a saint, so are you. So when we experience that, that's a lie. From who do you think? Maybe the father of lies? Good bet. Suicidal thoughts. The thief comes to steal. I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He did, Jesus did not come to destroy lives, but to save them. Fantasy thoughts, and this is one of the biggest ones. Oh my goodness, is internet porn the biggest sin, temptation, addiction area there's ever been? It may be. Um, and, and fantasy thoughts have been one of my biggest issues all my life too. The God who made the world and all things in it. He's the Lord of heaven and does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation. You have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down, you know when I rise up, you understand my thoughts from afar, you scrutinize my path, my lying down, are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Even, even before I say a word, you know it. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful me for me. It's too high. I cannot attain it. So this is where I need to 
fix my image maker and my imagination on the throne room of heaven, on God, on Jesus, on the Holy Spirit. Look not at what is seen, but what is unseen. What is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. Perfectionistic, legalistic thoughts. Um, not that we are adequate in and of ourselves, but our adequacy comes from God, not from doing it right who also made us adequate as servants of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. Unprotected thoughts. You ever afraid? Feel like something you're not safe, something might, bad might happen? And, and you may be in an unsafe situation and get out of it, but if you're having uh, unsafe thoughts when... You don't appear to be, really be unsafe. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did with you and that we'll be rescued from perverse and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. That's a promise. Religious thoughts. I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by grace of Christ for a different gospel. Galatians 1, 6, 1, 6 through 10, that's, what, that, that's it. That's what I've been talking about. You have forsaken God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God's magnificent plan. You've forsaken that for a different gospel. What's the gospel? That I have to earn it with my behavior. That's it. Okay? Uh, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbed disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Okay? Um, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant to Jesus Christ. Okay? So, remember the scripture we talked about on the board. Faultless religion has nothing to do with with, uh, with um, it has to do with love and serving people, okay? Not of sin and, and, and works and stuff like that. It's about love and serving people, okay? That's what faultless religion is. We read that scripture. Thoughts of regret. You ever have that? For I know the plans that I have for you that are good to give you a future and hope, okay? Distracting thoughts. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober Fix your hope completely on the grace. How can you fix your hope completely on the grace if you think you're going to hell because of your works? It's impossible. So focus on grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Defensive thoughts. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Angry thoughts. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And you probably remember the passage, judge, you will be judged as you judge. And don't judge, it says in the same passage. People-pleasing. This, this has been one for me, too. Uh, for now, seeking the favor of men or of God. you seeking the favor of men or of God. Which one? I wouldn't go any further till you answer that question. Okay? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I'd not be a bondservant. We already read that. So, sorry. Thoughts of loneliness. 
This is a big one, especially uh, with COVID and, and some of the real big changes in our world lately. For I'm convicted that neither life or death, nor angels, nor principalities, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate you and me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that it? That's it. Okay, so here is God's answer to the 12 irrational beliefs and cognitive distortions that make us so much of spirituality and probably 99% of psychology, love, joy, peace versus anxiety, fear, anger, stress, worry, rejection, self-worth, those kind of things. And you see that God's truth is dramatically different from the cognitive distortions and irrational beliefs. If, if, you, if you took God at his word and lived this way, you wouldn't have a problem with the cognitive distortions and irrational beliefs because God has the solution here for every single one of them. And the solution is who you are through Jesus. All right, let me bring this board out just one more second. We're almost done. We're almost done. Okay, so let's end where we started. So yeah, you've got the passages saying, oh man, if you do this sin, you're in big trouble. All right? But it's not talking to people who are Christians, believers, followers of Jesus in right standing. It's talking to people who practice these things. Their intention is not to stop doing these things, even if they can't do it, their intention is to stop doing it. No, 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 no. That's not who it's talking about. It's talking about people who practice, who their intention is to do it more and do it better. The sin. Okay? That's who it's talking about. And it says the righteous are the ones who don't have to worry about any of that. And you get this stuff. You're a new creation. The old has passed away. You're saved by grace. Your, uh, the hidden mystery of the ages is that you and Christ are one. You have a lifetime guarantee. There's no one that, that can or will condemn you. You are blameless and beyond reproach. You are under grace. So, my question is, who in their right mind would choose this if you qualify for this? And my answer is no one in their right mind would do that. So I believe if you're, if you're living and believing this as your life truth, you're not in your right mind. Why? Because Satan has tricked you. Satan has, has, as the father of confusion and the father of lies, he has lied to you, confused you, and has you believing this stuff when it's not true. Okay? How do I know it's not true? Paul talks about the old law and a man named Abraham who lived under the old law. And when he's trying to explain grace to them and they're having great trouble getting it, which I totally understand, Paul says, okay, let me ask you a question. Abraham lived during the old law. Was Abraham justified by what he did 
his behavior or because he believed. And of course, the right answer would be because of what he did. Because that's what everyone under the old law thought it was about. It was about what they did. And then they go to do a sacrifice and it rolls their sins forward for the next year and stuff like that. Okay? It was never about the sacrifice. Another place, Paul says, could the blood of bulls and goats ever forgive sin? And the answer is no, it could never forgive sin. It was a metaphor for the coming of Jesus. But with Jesus, the animals aren't needed, okay? It was just a metaphor because Jesus had not come yet. But in God's mind, it was a done deal. The lamb slain before the foundations of the world, okay? So, even under the old law, it's indicated in the New Testament, people were not saved by their right behavior. They were saved by whether they believed or not. They were saved by the intention of their heart or condemned. As God says over and over throughout Scripture, He wants the heart. He judges the heart. He looks at the heart. That's what it's all about. Well, what if, well, what if I have an intention of the heart, but I can't carry it out? That doesn't mean you're lost because he's judging the intention of your heart. So if the intention of your heart is, I don't mean to practice this. I mean to, to quit doing it, to do it less and less. I hate that I do it, okay? Well, that is the loving intention of your heart. That's what God judges. And that would be a saint or saved or you can't be condemned. You're blameless beyond all reproach, okay? So all I can say is, and I don't mean to offend you, but... If you know the truth about this and how it does fit together, but that over here it's talking about the person who doesn't intend to quit sinning, doesn't intend to do what God says, doesn't intend to do what Scripture says, their intention is to do whatever the heck they want that will bring pleasure or avoid pain, which is predominantly this stuff, all right? And they, the people that live that way, yes, they will go to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life, and the righteousness cannot be earned. You can't earn it. No matter how well you do, how bad you do, you can't earn it. It is a gift, and it's not a gift for doing it so well. It's a gift for accepting the free love of God that comes with it as the love of a parent would protect and take care of the child that they loved. Same here. So, if you know the truth of these, maybe now, even if you didn't before, if you keep living this way, I don't mean to offend you, but you're crazy. You're crazy. Nobody but a crazy person would choose this when you can or do maybe have this and I believe the truth is, if if you are uh, a Christian in right standing with God, this is not something you can have. It's something you do have, and Satan is tricking you into believing these lies. Maybe not to keep you from being saved, 
but to keep you from positively affecting other people for the Lord and stealing your joy and peace while here on earth. Okay? So, um, start living your life today. I, I, I mean, seriously. How do, now that you have heard this, how are you going to reconcile it if this is the way you've been living? I don't believe you can in truth. You only can in lies and falsehoods. Okay? Because the underlying original words and the context indicate it's people who are practicing, people who are intending to do these and keep doing them, not the person who is committed to the Lord but messes up and maybe even messes up every day with the same thing. But their intention is to stop and to not do it and to be faithful, not to practice it more and more until I get better and better at it. Okay? So that's what it comes down to you, too. Are you practicing sin or do you accidentally fall and sin? And, and be careful with accidental because it can be intentional sin. I mean, when I stole a candy bar, I knew it was wrong when I stole it. But the intention of my heart was not to keep stealing. It was, I'm going to get this candy bar, but then I'm never going to do it again. Honestly, that's what I felt, okay? And believed and thought and would have said if anybody had asked me, okay? Well, I did not go, I don't believe, from Scripture, from saved to lost because I stole and ate the candy bar. Okay? Because the intention of my heart was not to practice sin, it was to quit doing sin. And I was given, when I became a Christian, the righteousness of Christ, which takes me out of the eternal punishment camp into the eternal life camp. And that righteousness can't be earned, and I believe the only way it can be lost is we talked about the unpardonable sin, but what I've been told about the unpardonable sin is... If you're asking about it, you're not doing it. Because it's basically the prodigal son who goes away and never comes back, even though God would accept him if he came back. Okay? So, this would apply. So, the righteousness, you can't... I don't see a place in Scripture where you can lose that if you do not commit the unpardonable sin, and you can't earn it. But you do have it, which puts you here, not here. Unless you are practicing sin. And if you are, you need to stop that. Alright? That's uh, not who you are and, and that is not how you'll have your best life. That'll lead you to your worst life. So, um, start prioritizing what really matters. Sorry I went a little longer than I thought I would, but I, I, it's just so crucial to me that I be faithful to God by trying to make this easily understandable. And, and, and it's not stuff that is easily understandable or we wouldn't have the big gulf where the people on this side say it's law and the people on this side say it's grace and they can't get along off and hate each other. Okay? That was never intended to be. Jesus, before he went up, up to heaven, Father, let them be one as you and I are one. Best thing we could ever do is get rid of all the denominations and just be one, one church, 
Not in, not in buildings made with hands, but give those billions of dollars to people who need help, uh, and that would change their whole life, okay? Um, that's just my two cents. But, but, are you living your life for what doesn't matter instead of what does? Start today living your life for what does matter and discard or allow God to heal, the battle is the Lord's, the stuff that is making you miserable, basically. Thank you so very much. Have a wonderful, blessed day.